Hello listeners and welcome to today's episode of Blind Insights. Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We are going to talk to former Miss Burlesque South Australia. The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. David Graeber, 1961-2020. to Welcome to Blind Insights. Hello, Tim. Oh, thank you very much for having me, David. It's it's uh, such a change of pace for you to introduce me. I know, it's really odd. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Sorry. Because he's the grown-up. He's a panellist. Yes, that's it. And I'm here to make the things work so you guys can have the excellent conversations. Yay. But, uh, as well, thank you very much for joining us, Miss Nona Mona. Thank you so much for having me, guys. How are you? Us or the audience? Well... Let's go you, David. I'm very well because my first comment is always that I've had a big pink coffee from BTS downstairs. But today, because I was early, I actually sat outside and had my pink pink coffee in the world. Oh, like, <laughs> like at a table. Outside in yep. the world? No mask. Oh. No rebel. mask outside on the street. Oh, my God. How bad am I? I hate them so much. Obviously, I wear them and I do my thing, but I hate them. You have to wear your mask even when you're performing. Uh, no, not when just, you perform, Just no. right up to the point when you go on and then... Yeah, sit. backstage, it's on. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay, that raises a very practical question. Obviously, as part of performing, mm. you're going to have to you know, do your makeup and you know look amazing. <laughs> yep. And then you have to whack a mask on top of it. I know. If How you look- hard does that make life? Well, basically, my mask is covered in makeup most of the time. Mm. Okay. Um, and I put my lipstick on at the last possible second because <laughs> i've had it where i've put it on the inside the mask has gotten dirty i've forgotten all about it and it's ended up on my nose and oh yeah yeah and this is not good so literally as you take your mask off to perform you literally also need to quickly look in a mirror and just make sure yeah. the mask hasn't and you know the worst is when i don't know how you go on hot days i prefer dry heat yes but you know how we've had humidity yes that can go to hell because yeah <laughs> yeah breathing plus makeup <laughs> And then your activity is to, you know... Prance around. Yeah, is to, you know, use up lots of energy and get warm. I know. So you're going to generate sweat on top of it being warm and humid and then having to have had a mask on before you go out there. I know, and I've got the COVID lung. No. <laughs> no the breathing doesn't sound too Darth vader I think you're all right at this point. Yay! <laughs> we want Darth Vader as a guest, but it's not going to be Nona. No. Anyway, audience, we should start at the start after we've had all those all, you know, awesome meanders around the universe. Let's do it. And, you know, listeners, Nona has just got through having had COVID. Mm. So we are making the Darth Vader jokes with it sort of being okay because we were talking before about how we're kind of all over masks and we're all <laughs> over COVID generally and how many near misses we think we probably have all had. Mm. I know, it's crazy. So, you know, we're not being... Well, we are being flippant, but we're being responsibly flippant, <laughs> if there is such a thing. So now we've actually kind of done a kind of intro thing. Audience, part of the reason for being here today and talking to Nona is the fact that I think it would be four years ago, I got invited to a former student's Bucks Night. Hey, Padge, hope you're doing well. <laughs> and we went to a burlesque establishment. And the audience was predominantly male, and the whiskey choices were good. 
And strangely, 20 minutes into getting there, my cousin Roseanne plopped down beside me. You know, she was there with her husband, Byron. So she came to talk to me and Byron got left in the front row. <laughs> I'm not sure he was probably feeling more self-conscious at that point. <laughs> I, did you? Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing, I reckon, where like if you're too close to the performances and it's quite, um, I don't know, a bit in your face, I think people do get awkward about it. Well, this was an interesting thing because the follow-up to this story is, you know, Tim's Bucks Night, where Josh organised for us to go to the same burlesque establishment. And at one point, one of the performers was right in front of me. And I kind of wondered if it was almost because everyone knew I had the cane, everyone knew I can't see. So it both looked like it was a good way to wind the audience up, but also doesn't have any impact on me. Yeah. So what, like, do you go by, do you get a vibe from the atmosphere? Put it this way, the one thing I really liked was the house band were good. The whiskey yeah. choices were good. Mm-hmm. And all the guys were taking turns sitting beside me describing different people's technique, what they were wearing. <laughs> that is brilliant. So it, it turned into quite a fun thing where some people were much better at doing descriptions. I, <laughs> Lucas and Pat, you win the description contest. Lucas and Pat were definitely the best. Did mm. the descriptions get worse as the night went on? <laughs> like, the lounge is wearing it. We were sort of sensible. Like Most people were drinking at a moderate pace. Mm. And we all went home at one o'clock because pretty much oh, that is good. we'd been on the go since when did we start go-karting, Tim? Like oh, 3 p.m.? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, we'd already been on the go for like 10 hours of Tim's Bucks to, night by that point. To be fair, uh, I reckon I only got to sleep at about 5.30, so. Yeah, oh. but that's because you crazy guys went back to the B&B and I went home and went yes. to sleep like a, <laughs> yes. like the grown-up I'm meant to be. Yes. But I'm not really. It does sound like a pretty sweet Bucks party. It was, it was awesome. Good go-karting. Was and good. a great Japanese meal in the middle. Oh, my God. And then a nice whiskey bar before we went to the burlesque establishment. Mm. We had a great night. It was. It was very, very good. That sounds pretty Thank cool. you, Josh. Mm. Shout out. Mm. But <laughs> yeah, the, Josh, shout out. Yeah. But, but the really interesting thing from my perspective is getting the descriptions of the audience for the two events was for Padges, say, four years ago, maybe even five, such a small proportion of the audience was female. Mm. And yet the night of Tim's, you know, some estimates from the group, were it could have been up to 70% of the audience were female. Well, it, if it, pretty much every other group was majority females. Female, other than, yeah. other than we us. We were the only all-male group. Yeah, yeah, that's a common thing. So I what's th- changed, Nona? What's happening well, th- in burlesque? Or- well, what is it? Yeah. Um, I think... I think obviously burlesque is slightly different to modern day stripping. And do you want to define that? Because again, it, yeah. it is an interesting word with a lot of history when I looked it up. Yeah, I mean like stripping, modern day stripping is just an evolution of what burlesque was. Mm. So burlesque, you know, you had to wear the pasties, the nipple covers and all of that because it was law mm-hmm. where you couldn't be nude. So I guess as the laws changed, obviously the evolution of that specific, that industry um, changed as well. Um, so what what usually you see in burlesque is we kind of not mimic but we um, pay homage. Is that the right word? Yeah. To the more the golden era of what you think burlesque is. So like the big feathers, the suave costumes, the more showgirl, type the showgirly stuff. Yeah. There is a thing called neo burlesque, and that's a bit more narrative based. So it's like you play the character, you, and there might be more props. That, that kind yeah, of stuff. that's where you get a bit more like either comedy or like it's a bit dark, or there's you know there's. A, there's kind of a story behind it. That seems it. to describe most of Fringe, like what you would see in yeah, Burlesque. Yeah, it's neo-Burlesque, yeah. Yeah, so I can see why I, I suppose at an establishment that's like made for, you know, just punters at night time as a thing, you, you would go for the more classical stuff where it's like 
the, all the sparkles, the feathers mm-hmm. and all of that kind of stuff. But anyway, the I think the female audience thing is just, I, I don't know, I, I want to be careful about how I say this and whatever, but I've worked in both industries. So the modern day stripping and the burlesque side of things. And to be honest, in the modern day stripping, there is this kind of push to look a certain way. You'd get certain notes in your locker saying, okay, you've got to shape up a bit. You're losing tone and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think burlesque just takes all of that away and, you know, anyone who has a body can perform and if you if you enjoy music and you can move and, you know, that's it. And I think that's what draws women to that is okay. they can go there and see themselves and be like, hey, that girl kind of looks like real. me. Okay. Because yeah. that was an interesting point. Like, you know, as I was getting, uh, you know, Tim and everyone to sort of describe what everyone looked like, the performance looked like. Yeah. The first thing I was saying to them is, okay, now – don't pay attention to the costume for a bit. Imagine the person was just in street clothes. Uh-huh. Yeah. How would you respond if they were just in street clothes? And now tell me about the costume. Because I wanted people to kind of get over the, oh, wow, this is different and go, hang on, keep remembering there's a person in there and a person has structured this performance. For like sure. Like any other performance. Yeah, look, that's a very interesting point, actually. And I truly believe this. I think all bodies are beautiful. I just think we're intriguing as as humans. But... Mm. In burlesque, it's just a bit more celebrated, like diversity is a bit celebrated. And it's been that way historically or that's part of this sort of neo-burlesque scene? Well, uh, okay. Gosh, you're full of the good ones too. <laughs> well, like at any point, just tell me to shut up. No, no, I, no. I I, this is up. good because it's making me like, I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't haven't thought about this in ages. I guess like traditionally, if we look back for most of the dancers would have been like, I suppose like, curvy to some extent but more of that pin-up so I guess in retrospect like back then they were still pretty petite I would say but there were there were different you know in vaudeville there was like all sorts of kind of um performers and stuff like that but I think you definitely I think the rise of the new burlesque this kind of neo present time that we're at has definitely had more of a um influx of diversity and stuff and I think that's awesome because we've taken the good the good bits of the past and left the shitty part <laughs> yeah and it's great anytime you can keep the good half you know yeah, yeah yeah and I think that's where it's at because that's sort of something I was thinking as the guys were describing just how different you know all the performers looked sure is the thing that popped into my head is okay you know everyone used to think that Marilyn Monroe looked amazing just because you know, just genetically yeah. popped up, ta-da. And, of course, what got found a few years ago were all the photos of her in her home gym. Yes. Training with a serious personal trainer, doing for that time very serious weights in a very serious way. Now, this was a lady that was cultivating that shape, you know, her body looking that way very deliberately right up to the point just before her death, which meant it was yeah. just her normal and she wasn't going to magically walk away. And I think there was this big like, oh, Marilyn Monroe had curves and stuff. But in actual fact, I think they found a lot of her costumes and stuff and the sizing. The biggest she ever got was to a size 14, yeah. which isn't... It was more that things were sewn on. And and <laughs> things were made to look a little bit too tight for her yeah. to make her look like that. Look all, which I found intriguing. I was yeah. like, what? So, so again, she was really polishing the physical image and then working with costume yeah. just in a more mainstream way. Yeah, big time. But you would assume, again, she's going to have been affected by all the pin-up photos from during World War II. Again, what was that era mm. called? Cheesecake? 
yeah, the where it was very attractive, but not anything too controversial. No, nah, and they were almost cartoony. You okay. know, they were like kind of drawn a bit. Like I don't know how to describe it. Well, there were a heap well, of but... animators in that period who, yeah, did you know did draw the the non real ones. Yeah. So, in a sense, that sort of raises that other question that you know very clearly my sense was that burlesque is you know projecting fantasy. It's it's I, I don't. Oh no, is titillation the right word? There's certainly something about fantasy being sold. Oh, 100%. I think it's like, well, originally burlesque was a form of escapism for, you know, the lower classes. You'd pay, I don't know, 15 cents, let's say. You'd go in and you'd see a variety. So there'd be, you know, the comic, the magician, the burlesque dancer, all of that kind of stuff. So it... Yeah, it's it's about taking you somewhere else. And so is that let's about forget the, let's forget about shitty COVID and let's yeah. just have a good time for tonight. So is that really what vaudeville would have been originally in burlesque? Was a part of vaudeville? Yeah. How do people define these things? Well, I think like and look, I'm I'm one person and I've done yeah. I've done a little bit of reading and stuff, but um, which is ninety percent more than everyone else. <laughs> um, but I think traditionally it started off with you know. It, there was the circus for the kids and stuff, and then there was like a tent where dad would <laughs> yeah wander off, wander off to, and there'd be like exotic dancers and belly dancing and snake okay. charmers and that kind. Of, and I think it just kind of grew out of that, evolved, yeah. So if that's its history, how did you find your way? Because <laughs> this is again an interesting question: is that we live in a world where sex is everywhere, yeah, but because sex is everywhere, fantasy is almost nowhere, yeah. Well, so, so what what captured you and drew you in the direction where, hey, you, you, you've been Miss Burlesque SA? I know. I was actually a social worker. So that was my career. No um, wonder you needed an outlet. <laughs> yes, very true. Um, so I was a social worker and a girl I worked with was like, hey, I'm thinking about taking up these classes. Um, and I'd briefly, I, I was always into like vintage music and vintage cars and stuff like that. So it kind of appealed to me. I was like, okay, I'll give it a crack. Okay. And um, we started off, we did one term and she f- like left, didn't, not that she didn't enjoy, I think just it wasn't a thing that stuck with her. And for me, I was like, oh my God, I actually really like this. You found your happy outlet. Yes. And then eventually I just started entering competitions and was doing okay and yeah, I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to quit the day job for a bit and I just never went back. Wow. <laughs> the circus life has me now. Yeah, yeah, again, the thing of never seeing daylight. Yeah. Again, no wonder, <laughs> yeah, no wonder you're sort of like, hang on, what's going on? It's, it's, it's daytime. I know. You're, out in, you're, out, you're outside in morning daytime. This can't be very normal. <laughs> it is. Look, um, if, since COVID has hit and stuff, I have been taking it a lot easier and stuff and I'm okay. slowly – working my way to this fringe show that's going to be happening and it's it's nice to be focused and working again yeah because there was a bit of a break and stuff yeah and when you can't pick your own breaks yeah i think it's only when you can pick your own breaks that they're enjoyable yeah so when you turned up to that first class mm. did everyone look excited or people just had no idea what you know it was going to be like to go to a burlesque class that would have been 
I can imagine a, a lot of people it going, is. no clue what they're you know, signing up for. Yeah, I mean, again, it was just a range of ages of women of yeah. different bodies and stuff. And we're all just there, you know, having a, doing a bit of exploring and having fun at the same time. And i got to say, it's since I first started to now, where I eventually started teaching it and I've gone back to do workshops and stuff with different schools now Mm -hmm. and it's so lovely to see there's boys taking it up there's men because there's a thing called boylesque okay yeah and so that's been really awesome to see so again the idea of the inclusivity is okay this used to be about males ruled the world males wanted to be titillated well guess what we all live in the world yeah therefore fantasy should be for everyone absolutely all right well that sounds like a is it i is it men performing for Women, P- women or, or like people who are interested in men? Like what's the... Yeah, that, yeah, no, I get where you're coming from. I think um, it's just more of a form of expression, okay. I think. So I think they're doing it for themselves and then, right. you know, when you watch it, it's just you as the audience member takes it how you will. Okay. So it's like if it's a fun routine, yeah. it's a fun routine. Yes. And, and again, here I'm going to use a bit of my own history as a musician mm. to make this point because I want it to come across the right way. Certainly as a guitarist, when I used to go to Sydney and play in clubs and get paid a lot of money for one night. I love it. I was an egotistical shit. Were you? Because I could be. Because <laughs> I was getting paid enough money to be worth piling me in a guitar on a plane. Did you have all the bitches around you and cocaine? I'm not going to comment on any of that. <laughs> I'm going to be well behaved. Other than I will say I got out of that lifestyle because I lost three friends to ODs. Mm-hmm. So I'd seen how that lifestyle can end. Oh, my God. I asked the worst questions. Oh, no. It's an awesome question because it's true. But, and this is where I'm getting the point, is I was a prima donna guitarist. Right. You know, most of us who do something that can lead to performing in front of other people and getting a positive response have some degree of exhibitionism. Yeah, I agree And I don't mean in a sexual sense. I just mean wanting the thing we're doing to be seen and appreciated. Yeah, I know, I've often thought of this and it's a weird drive, isn't it? Like what? I think people either have it or don't, but my sense is it sounds like that's pretty central to what burlesque is coming. If you've got this thing to be seen in you, to be seen as you playing characters, Mm. to be seen as you embracing kind of a, a physicality of fantasy, a physical form of fantasy, it sounds like that sort of, you know, the beginning of it, you know, the niche of which people might love it. Yeah. And really get hooked on it. I think that's such an interesting question is what what makes us performers yeah. go out there? Well, and going, that's why I wanted to set up my own version of why I did it and that I was an arrogant shit. Because yeah. I don't want it to be like I'm calling someone else exhibitionist for taking clothes off and being looked at as a physical form. No, I get you. I want it to be seen as basically really a musician and a burlesque person are still desperately wanting your attention. <laughs> that's the common thread here. Yeah, it's a very good point. I think it comes to it like if you enjoy something and then you get that first thrill of perhaps performing it, you know, like my I think my first uh, was part of the school that I was with did a showcase for family and friends. It's a safe audience, which would be a really good way to start. Yeah, I and I think my mum came and she didn't know. <laughs> and next minute I'm like, woo! <laughs> She's like, oh my God. Um, but, and I think... After that, you get that first little thrill, you know, you're like, oh, I kind of enjoyed that. And then you just, it becomes a bit addictive. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. 
I mean, but were you always the arts kid? No. No? When, no. when, when did this all go down? Basically, you know, having gone to blind primary school, we all had to do music. And okay. I had a teacher that nearly turned me off of music. Oh, no. And I will forever hate the terrible influence she had on my childhood for taking away the opportunity to start playing earlier. Isn't and, that crazy? Uh, stuff happens. End of high school, um, thought, right, don't know what you do as a blind adult. I will train to be a masseuse so I can always earn money. But the other thing I want to do is learn to play guitar. I found the one teacher in Adelaide who taught a few blind people. And he said, your first hundred hours will be the worst. Get them over as fast as you can. So I did it in two weeks. Oh, my God. I love this so much. So that's why I got fairly good, fairly quick and started seeing. But you're obviously a natural for you to be able to pick it up like that quick. Uh, look, might have some neurology that helped. But it's that thing of just putting the hours in in a structured way. You yeah, know, right. Yeah, you know, your brain can help you, but there's plenty of people out there who might have had, you know, less predisposition who put in even more work. And I ended up swapping to violin, and then the combination of using the cane and the violin bow just did terrible things to my right wrist, and I had to give up music for 20 years. Oh, man. So I'm, I'm back with guitar now, and was saying to Tim just before, I'm just starting to get some of the old memories of how <gasps> to do things back. Like the muscle memory yes. stuff? Not... Not good, but I know what I need to work out how to do. Oh, that's cool. But, you know, the big thing, um, I don't even remember how I got on this track. Anyway, doesn't, <laughs> ma- doesn't matter. Oh, no, who knows? Anyway, I think my point was going to be that. Am I a diva? Is that what you're asking? No. <laughs> no. Um, yes. Where's what, my coffee? <laughs> what was that whole thing? Oh, it was that whole thing of do we all get addicted to it? That's what we were talking yeah. about. And I do think that once you're. Once you're doing something well and other people appreciate it and you feel this adds something to your positive identity, yeah, uh, that's fairly addictive. Uh, well, uh, that's right. That's This is how we got, of course, because yeah. I said, were you the artsy kid? No, and I, I went so, no, I wasn't. But what I was is what I realized is I'm happy to be the artsy kid because I'm always getting attention for my intellect. Yeah. But that's largely attention from a small group of people who think too much, talk too much and don't do. Yeah, yeah. What are you trying to say, David? <laughs> okay, to put it in context, no, no. If, my, if my eyes had worked, my aim probably would have been Army at 18 selection for Special Forces at okay. 21 and disappeared into being that dude with the pixelated face until I came out totally traumatised and broken in my Oh, well, I'm glad that's not happened. <laughs> well, that's my wife's comment constantly. She goes, it's, it's a good thing your life path didn't turn out the way you would have preferred. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, yep, I won. It would have been nice if I didn't fall off the music, you know, roller coaster because of the cane, but shrug. So I'm doing all this instead. I taught at university mm. for 20 years. Anyway, this is all meant to be about Sorry, yeah, you. Well, yeah, were you the artsy kid? Like, yeah, well, you're like, the... how did you get there? <laughs> Um, yes, I, so I, th- I think what I was getting at was I was kind of the, always the artsy kid. Like I did the drama, the music, the yeah. art and until year so 12. So did you dance and, as a kid? Um, I or did. Or ballet or gymnastics? Or? I did jazz ballet wow. as a kid. So you had the physicality already that first day you well, went to the class? Well, you think so. <laughs> I just always enjoy moving and dancing and, okay. you know, that so kind of thing. And I think you either have you. it or you don't. Okay. Mm. And uh, yes, yeah. I find that more so with dancing than yeah. I think with like music. Like I don't dance. Yeah. I play music. I don't dance. Yeah. Yeah. And bizarrely, I can't play an instrument to save my <laughs> life. <laughs> but um, and, and just even like growing up, my mum was a belly dancer and she would dance like, um, you know, she as in she did that for fun and we'd go okay. and watch her 
perform and that kind of stuff. And you just, I don't know, maybe it's like rubbed off. So the nice thing is you already had a model that it was cool to do something like this. Yeah. You like to move. So there were lots of little things saying that when you eventually got invited to go to that class, it was probably going to be fun. Yes. And it could easily stick if it was fun. And it turned out that it really was fun. Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. it but I did get a bit of burnout toward like just before COVID, COVID. in the sense that, you know, like all things, it's when bored. something becomes work, Yeah, you know, and then there's just a constant. What, what I kind of got a bit like, ugh, was the constantly having to always wear your makeup, always have your hair done, like just that kind of stuff. Like sometimes you just wish you could rock up at a desk just perform. and just... You know, As opposed to do the whole, the face and the makeup and, and be the, the persona kind okay. of thing all the time gets a bit exhausting. So how long was it from going to that first class to then becoming, you know, Miss Burlesque SA? Was it one of these things that just, you took to it like a duck and you know, suddenly you were getting all this press coverage and it was going <laughs> stunningly well or? Um, so I did it, I think I did it for about six months and then I entered Miss Burlesque SA and then the first time I came second. Whoa. So you had to keep going because yeah. <laughs> you'd already kicked bottom and you had to go back and win. Yep. And then I was like, oh, I just, I want it. You know, yeah. where you're just yes. like, yeah, I got a taste. Yeah. And then it, thankfully it just worked out that, yeah, the second time is when I won it. And then that kind of just kick-started it all in terms of, yeah, like I, I ended up taking it to London, like I performed in London and then just, I don't know, when you start to dedicate yourself to, Two things, doors open up yeah. and stuff like, I don't know how to, yeah. If you push, you see what's possible. Yeah. And I never thought that that would have been a thing. Yeah. Like it was always like ingrained of, you know, you go to uni, you get yeah. the degree, yeah. um, you get married and then you're suddenly happy. And then you're just like, <laughs> oh, actually. It's I a nice was... concept, but it doesn't seem to really work very well. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you've won, you know, Burlesque SA, you've gone overseas. Mm. What was the motivator for the transition to losing the pasties and your briefs like because yeah. from burlesque to stripping i would imagine the capacity to earn must go up dramatically <laughs> i was about to say and, and money yeah <laughs> but it was also a thing of recognizing that i you know this is it's like professional sport it's not an old person's game no if you want to make money at this you better make good decisions in the available time frame yes that's a, it's a good point so I think I actually started dancing in clubs quite late. I think I was 28, um, which is like, obviously there's a variant of ages but there. But that, that's putting you at the, you know, you are the more mature person at the point you started. I would have thought, yeah. Okay. Because I remember by the time I finished, there was like, you know, sometimes you get 18, 19 year olds and you're like, oh, like I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm being. What's that word? Um, but I was like, oh, babies! Like, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, like, I was like, I've, I became yeah. mama. Like, I, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what are, What are you doing? As in, just as in, like other the life choices of their performance or, or life choice? Yeah. Or or a bit of both. I think. Like, do you mean towards them? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. if you were being like, if you had that sort of like uh, kind of maternal instinct, even protective, or wanting yeah. to kind of guide them to do it well, well and I not make mistakes, and just being protect. Like, they're going to okay. do their thing, you know. Like, okay. I'm no one to tell yeah, someone sure. to not do something or whatever, but just being a bit like, 
just cautious, like, yeah. you know, know when to get out, know when to... So it's like me having... Save been, your money. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, yeah, it's like me having been a university educator. You automatically just look after people like you having been a social worker. Yeah. You can't help but think about other people's well-being. Yeah. So you don't say something because you want to apply a moral standard to them. It's because you want them to do well. Yes. And you don't want them to, you know, have unnecessary grief in their life. If yeah. Yeah. Okay. But look, that that whole industry is a whirlwind. Like I have a love hate relationship with it because it was some of the best memories I've had are from there, and then some of the most hideous <laughs> experiences are also from there. So it's kind of like, but you do miss it when you leave. If you miss anything that's been a big chunk of your life yeah, with other people who've got mm. the same eye on the same prize. Yeah. Like when you're around a tribe of people that all understand why you're doing this weird thing, all yeah. understand the weird hours, yeah. all understand the weird life choices. It's yeah. kind of weird to walk away from a tribe. Yeah, it is. And then it, also just little things like you'd um, – like the conversations you'd have in the change rooms there would – to an outsider, it would seem insane. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, is my tampon string out? Like all yeah. of this kind of stuff. And then you'd go from that person to going to a, a nice family barbecue on the weekends where everyone's daytime talk and you're yeah. like, Charlie took his first steps and Baba, <laughs> And I'm just like, and it was like really difficult mm. trying to fit the two worlds together. Yeah. And I was like, oh, like get me back in the dark. <laughs> yeah. No so... <laughs> So you've now gone back to sort of you know, burlesque and cabaret, or you you sort of changed career already, or you're going you're thinking of it, or um, so I have. I don't know if it's stupid, but I've <laughs> I've taken up comedy, so doing a bit of stand up wow, and stuff. Now, yeah, let me jump in here because <laughs> as part of research for this, I listened to your episode with Steve Davis oh, yeah. in 2015, and the first thought that kept popping in my head is Steve, shush. Let Nona do the gags because she's got much better comic time. We, we love you, Steve. And Steve is going <laughs> to ring me and yell at me for saying that on something that's going live. But I love the fact that I thought... We love you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, but I love the fact that I thought, you've got fabulous comic timing. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. Um, it's just, I don't know. Like, I've always been obsessed with comedians and comedy. And I don't think that's stupid no, at all. It feels not. like it's almost ve- like a it's you've very got a, similar ilk, isn't it? Like, yeah. yeah. And you've got a better body of material now to use. Like, again, the, the gags <laughs> uh, for the first five years will be what you know, what you've done. Yeah, yeah. So you've got the best initial set of gags so from all these different Like, social worker burlesque, <laughs> stripping, clubs at 3 a.m. <laughs> And then a Pete, the, the pancake kitchen at 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. I remember that from the 90s. That sucked then. Don't tell me it still exists. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. You're not going to get a sponsor, any sponsorship. Sponsorship. Yeah. No, no, I'm not saying the pancake kitchen sucks, but the pancake kitchen at 5 a.m. Oh, is not a thing. Isn't it? No. So <laughs> imagine recording a podcast there at 5 a.m. Oh, man. Oh, that's a challenge. It'll be sticky. <laughs> we need waterproof kit <laughs> yeah. and a minder. <laughs> will you come and be our minder? Yes, I will. I'll be security. Love that. <laughs> this has potential. <laughs> That's so off topic. Uh, actually, it's sort of on topic because, again, 5 a.m. at the Pancake Kitchen. It summarizes something we were talking about before we started. And one of the thoughts I had, particularly when we left the burlesque establishment at 1 a.m. for Tim's Bucks mm. Night, is, hang on, we've just been in this safe place mm. where women can be nearly naked Yes. Can be overt, can sell fantasy. And there's bouncers here to make sure they're safe. 
and the audience get the little speech on the way in. And my guess is there's other places people go if they want to be dicks. But what is it like to perform somewhere where you're safe and then have to go face the reality that life in our society is not safe for women? Oh, my God, And you're walking out at some time between Zero Dark Thirty and Cock Crow (laughs) going, what the fuck happened? I know. We all know what street we're talking about. Um, <laughs> and there's one in every city. Yes. Ours is not unique. Ours is just thankfully yeah. small. What's the one in Perth? Oh. Oh, it's like some... Because uh, I recently went there for the first ever time and okay. I got a cab. This is true. So I got, got a cab, got out, crossed the road, got into a cab and got out. Because I was like, what is happening? There was like a guy on the floor, a girl yeah. crying, someone Whoa. spewing. I yeah. was like... Nah. <laughs> it's very much a consequence, I think, of the fly-in, fly-out culture. Oh, for sure. Of so many people. Well, again, the last two years, no one can go home. Mm-hmm. If you go home, you may never be able to come back to your job. So there's all these people living this weird life. True. Where they're kind of stuck in downtime with too much money and no connections, <laughs> which is the problem of being a muse or a burlesque artist and a stripper. Yeah, yeah. It's all the same. Hey, I've got a bag of cash. It's 7 a.m. Everyone else is asleep. Everyone else has day stories. <laughs> but, but Hi kids, don't go there. <laughs> don't do it. Actually, do you it. Have, do it, but get out early fun. and get out early. Yes. Parachute. Take your parachute. Get out. Uh, the plan. The plan to get out is a big one. I think in that industry for like modern day stripping, and I think people do um, get a little bit. Oh yeah, addicted. I guess is the right word to the to that income to that mm. lifestyle. You know, like a lot of the shitty things that happen, you not make excuses for, but you kind of turn. You're like, oh okay, well actually, I made two k that night, so that's okay. That that yeah. like you try and justify. Yeah, yeah, I hope I'm making sense. No, I'm not you saying are. that that's ever okay. No, but that's how like that's how mind, we justify. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but yes, going from a safe space of performing and stuff and then going out into the real world is um yeah and generally most of the time it is a safe space sometimes you know you know interestingly enough sometimes the women can get a bit yeah uh tim too comfortable that. yeah for sure tim noticed that because well, i, I think guys it, noticed that as they were describing yeah. Yeah. right yeah. right because i think it's been so you know ingrained for men like that once you're there, like you know the kind of rules a bit, and then yeah. the women are like. Well, it's 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 more. Um, I feel like, especially if if you're a self-aware man, y- yeah, you feel that's um, a under kind like, of odd. Well, you feel you feel <laughs> like you feel um, observed almost. Like yeah. you know, I actually I don't. I, there was no situation where I could get away with anything shady right now because I feel right. already yep. like right. under a microscope for just being. Yeah, a, which and, is like no, I don't, I'm, not, not I'm, not, I'm not arguing yeah. with that. I'm not <laughs> no, arguing with that. No, no, okay. it's about <laughs> the fact that you suddenly realise. Hang on, and the th- one of the thoughts I is is this is what it's like to be young and female all the time. Oh yeah, to have this level of surveillance is this the closest I'll ever get to that weird sensation of this environment? Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it it was really interesting having the two experiences because like there's all these things about this. It's great. There's this safe place. There's great. There's this place where that desire to combine exhibitionism, fantasy, the outlet to be yourself, to explore things exists. But then there's the freak out of, but it only exists with bouncers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
yeah, like in certain establishments, I think when you're going super public like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a different vibe when it's um, at a theatre, for example, and you're seated in the stage. So more like the cabaret show. Yeah, like you that. know, like, and I think depending where you go, there's a every venue has a different atmosphere and vibe and people do pick up on that a little bit. Okay. Um, I think the establishment that we're talking about is a very, you know, the performer's pretty much surrounded by patrons and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but then I'm guessing that that helps sell the fantasy better. So there's decisions yeah. about how you lay out a venue to, again, how blurred is the line between, between the audience and the fantasy, which, again, is a great thing to be able to blur the line to a level, but also then is probably more dangerous for the performers. Well, I think that's a... That's where I, I was kind of getting at with the women being a bit more touchy is like they just get so excited to finally, you know, celebrate and like... An outlet. An outlet yeah. and then like, yeah, they just get a bit overexcited and then suddenly, oh, you're like, oh, you can't you can't actually just touch me like that or yeah. like... And another weird thing that can sometimes happen is people will take costume items and take them... Like, like we'll, it's a souvenir. Yeah, like we'll take a glove. And your money. Yes, <laughs> They'll take like a glove home and you're like, but what are you going to do with it? Like, I actually need it. Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. Like, it, why is it acceptable in that space? But like, you wouldn't take, well, I mean, some people would, stuff. but like, you wouldn't yeah. take a cup home from like a restaurant, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sure people Come do on, do that. Beer but. glasses from pubs. Everyone's got 12, <laughs> yeah, haven't they? Yeah, that's true. Haven't they? That's true. Everyone's that's got true. 12, haven't they? How many they? gloves but do I mean, you have? You know, it has a use, I guess. Can You know, I, I feel like the, the point that you, that, um, you guys made earlier, which is that there's sort of like no other room for fantasy, does it mean that when people end up in those situations, they're not acclimatized to what like a fantasy is and it all and it feels real to the extent that they want to be able to interact with it they want to make it not a fantasy anymore and then they do inappropriate mm. things like kind of touch you or whatever like is it do they take it too far because they're not yeah, accustomed I, to what a fantasy is and maybe but, and it because it's not not everyone that yeah. does it so maybe those people just haven't had that chance yet and this yeah. is their first time they're like whoa like I love this so much and yeah. I'm so excited and like I want to be your friend kind of thing yeah. Like, yeah. you know like and I think yeah maybe that's maybe that's a good point of what it what happens in that point in time because again there's got to be very different parts of the audience like we were there because it was a bucks night mm. yeah there was a group there because it was a lady's birthday there were different people there for so many reasons so trying to well, it sort of generalise is really difficult, but it was just the fact that it's like it's a safe place and then the safety ends somewhere out in the darkness. Yeah. That's a bit I really didn't like is, hang on, if we'd actually got a lot of things of making the world safer and nicer right in the last 50 years, oh, yeah. there, there wouldn't have to be <laughs> such controlled safe spaces. Well, yeah, I know. And the interesting thing is like I just had a memory pop into my head of like one time in a club – Again, we have like the bouncers and stuff and most of the time people do behave and they know the rules and everything like that and and that that's your little safe space and home and whatever. And then I think I stepped out just to like a little corner store to get a coffee and something in my break yeah. and I was just lining up and that's when I got groped and I was like, what? what like, And I think yeah. there's this big like people that put this stigma around those clubs and like, oh, like how can you do that or blah, 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 when in actual fact, most of the time, I'm probably safer in there. You are. And that's what, you know? again, I really, that was sort of the final impetus. I'd been thinking it all night, we need to do an episode on this. But it was going back down to street level at 1am 
and going, it's a freak show out here. <laughs> yes. And if we'd been there, you know, the, if the group hadn't been all of us leaving at once and, you know, it had been a young woman who had stayed, mm. I would have been like, hang on, I want you ringing me when you go downstairs, ringing me when you get in an Uber and ringing me when you get home. Well, that's Just because like, it was weird out there. That's like super nice of you. That's like, I th- I don't think, I think we're getting there as a, I think we're doing so much better. Yeah. Obviously there's always like room for improvement and stuff yeah. like that. But um, yeah, it's just, I, you know, just don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty simple lesson, isn't it? <laughs> Has it gotten, yeah. So that's a good question. Like, yeah. Like if, do, do you feel that you've noticed changes over the span of your career? Like has, has it been, could you mark, like, could you. Mm. describe when you started out as being different to how like I guess it, like it finished up like do you think it got better over that time or like not really uh, or you um, mean a bigger time frame like, yeah you know. maybe I mean what I, I'm trying to think like I know what you're saying and I'm just trying to like mm. give you a, an honest answer um, I I don't think I've seen anything major change perhaps there's been the tiniest of systematic changes in the right. stripping as in like getting female managers who are a bit more understanding. That sounds like a really important leap forward. Yeah, but it's so slow. Yeah, but it's like, you know, again, my wife is very interested in sort of the history of Chanel and the clothes she yeah. designed. And you go, hang on, how could this lady have been one of the only major female designers for decades how is yeah. it that most of the designers are still male? Pardon? I know. And you know what? I have to give kudos to the Adelaide comedy scene. Um, I've just been – they're such a welcoming kind of group and, yeah, I've, I've had, like, really positive experiences in the comedy scene. Mm. So that maybe has moved a bit – that, that I th- might be the I leading edge. I think so, and I think Adelaide's been known for it to be – the leading edge, brilliant. Better than like s- certain spots in like Melbourne or Sydney, right? Which is kind of cool. I yeah. think that's go rads. Now, is that a beautiful segue into your friend show? Which would you like to tell us all about? Oh yeah, is this the bar where I spruik? Absolutely, spruik seriously, spruik with attitude. Did you bring tall heels? No, no. So the show is actually a um, comedy show, but it's a blend of burlesque stand-up and a bit of clowning um cool. yeah so it's like about how life doesn't always go how you think it will but you kind of end up where you're meant to be so yep. it's very, very deep <laughs> and yeah it, it goes across like it like it's set the theater is the iris uh cinema which is part of the mercury in west end okay and so the screen is used sometimes. There's a lot of audio. There's like a – it's all a bit of a mishmash and it's super fun and silly. Okay. Cool. And yeah. you with a heap of other people or predominantly just you? It's or? a one-woman show. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah, but again, you're used to the act being your own act, yes. having to prepare your own stuff. Yeah. I'm super excited, but also it's been a massive learning curve in terms of, um, you know, going from doing five-minute spots and – eight-minute burlesque shows or whatever to going, oh, okay, let's fill up 55 minutes. <laughs> what yeah. was I thinking? Well, yeah. what you're thinking wow. is you're going to get a heap of material to yeah. take on the road, which is awesome. Come so on what down. Are you, what are your dates? When are you on? I'm on 22nd of February to the 6th of March. So I only get the Mondays off, so it's a 12-show run. Okay. 
and it goes for about 50, 55 minutes. It's, yeah, it's 9.15 at night. So it's a Which bit is of nice. A, it's a civilized time frame. Yeah. Well, when you exit out, you don't have to look at the world and go, where's the zoo? Right here. <laughs> Jump in my car. <laughs> Run away. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a cute little intimate spot. It's all a bit of fun and it just blends all of my worlds and I love it. And so That is fantastic. Yeah. Can I can I ask? Yes. Um, so I more or less wanted to leave burlesque or like strippers on the table. I wasn't especially that bothered about having it in my bucks night. Okay, yeah. My best man, however, really wanted to do strippers. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah. So um, he really wanted to do strippers, but my uh, now wife probably would have been like, I think a little bit upset by yeah. that. How do you interpret this dynamic of... Because the same woman who could come watch my show and enjoy it, if her, yeah, could yes. p- potentially hate it if it's on the other end of things yes, and exactly. stuff like that. that is, yep. It's so it's so interesting. I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't think that Jade was misplaced having feeling uncomfortable. No, about no, no, no. It's all boundaries. That's yeah. all it is. And context. The difference of going to the show together. Yeah. To see you perform. Versus Tim's out in his butt, yeah, not too much alcohol on board. Plenty of uh, like at least burlesque together. So yeah, yeah. What's well, interesting because I've uh, I've come across it all. So I've in the stripping side of things, I've had buck shows that have been lovely, super respective. They're like, oh, it's a bit of fun. Like they get it, and most of the time, like you say, the buck is like. Oh, I'm just like my friends want it and like all of this kind of stuff. But then on the other spectrum, I've had the Bucks getting married the week after and he's like, do you do extras? So it's like... Yeah. Which means know, he's going to be on that mindset the rest of his life. Yeah, and you're just like, dude. Yeah. So there's like... All extremes. The, the extremes yeah. are just across the thing. Yeah. And I think most women... Like, I would imagine if your wife would go with you and you guys sat down and enjoy the show, it'd be a completely different experience because yeah. she feels included. Yeah. Yes. It's about being there and being a part of the experience. Yeah. yeah. And I think the stripping industry is a little bit still alien to to what you're like everyday women kind of thing where they're a bit like, because it's unknown. It's mm. a bit, you know, oh. Um, so I get it. I get it from both sides. So do you feel like that's still, you know, having w- worked as, as a stripper, mm. do you feel like that's still like a men's thing? Dominated. Yeah, kind of. like yeah. is it for men? Uh, I would say, yeah, yeah, most of the time. Like sometimes we would get um, women come in. They're either, you know, big groups of women on a night out and then they they kind of like from our perspective we're like because they don't spend they cause a scene like and so like it's it's always this fine balance of like what do we you know yeah they're an audience if you're not going to spend because i'm only here to work yeah 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 yeah. you know so obviously yeah um, but I would say definitely that I think this stripping industry is still very much aimed at men. Which is funny because burlesque feels like not necessarily it's for an audience, of course, but it feels like an expression of the performer more so yeah. than like something yeah. that is for the audience. If that yes, because yeah. I remember I, I went with my partner and his friend to watch a bit of burlesque and my partner gets it. He's like, whatever, it's like a bit of, you know, but his friend was like, just couldn't grasp the con he's like this isn't turning me on and he's like this is weird like this is boring like, and i was like oh is my god <laughs> but that i was like 
I don't know. It just I was a bit like, okay, interesting. Like you don't get it, and it's like, I forget that that can happen. I was like, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, that it's not overt enough. Just just go to the actual club then. Like yeah. what you know? Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what he wanted, but yeah. I, I've, anyway, it stuck with me because I was like, huh. Something to ponder on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something that will you know provide fuel for a show in the future. <laughs> I was traumatized by that comment. <laughs> Well, there'll be 10 good gags out of that comment eventually. That's the important part. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's, you know, the, the nice thing about all of that diversity and it being a, like an expression of the performer is that, and I think maybe that's why it gets a women audience from an outside perspective is that it makes it, you feel as if anyone can be sexy. Yeah. There's like... Yeah, 100%. Not, not necessarily even that it's instructional, but that it's, no. it's like you can observe at least that it's possible uh, fantasy plus yeah. a bit of inspiration yeah. is inspiration inspiration was a better way yeah. to put it and the fringe is a good time to see exactly yeah. a whole bunch of different acts like i remember going to see um i think it was velvet and one of the, you know they have incredible performers in that and aerial artists and all of this and honestly one of the things that stood out for me was this one guy who's like just your average looking dude runs out and he does this incredible hula hoop comedy routine and i was like I was like, just, I thought he was the best, best thing ever. Yes. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, he is, because it's confidence. Yeah. He just oo- oozed that. He just owned it. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. to this, I'm always like, oh, I wonder like where I could see him again. Well, more importantly, <laughs> have you bought your hula hoops yet? <laughs> oh, I've got one. It's tragic. It's Come on, it sounds like you need five. I know. <laughs> and one of them has to be on fire. <laughs> That's why it, you 2023. Tell, yeah, why do you tell stories? Yeah. <laughs> While I do Naked Girls reading again. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Nona, um, what was the the name of the show? Sorry. I... Oh my god, I'm the worst spruker. Hey, come see my show, but you don't you, know what it's called. It's, <laughs> it's called Hot Mess. That wasn't part of the plan. Great. There you go. Amazing. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Fringe ticks, get on it. Yeah, well, we'll put that in the description as well. For Thank our you. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Oh, it's been, been fantastic. Yeah. Lots and lots of fun. It's been amazing. Thanks. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. Hello, audience. Thank you for listening to Blind Insights. If you're enjoying the show, please remember to subscribe and share your favourite episodes or leave us a review if you really love us. We'd love to hear from you. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter at Blind Insights or send us a recorded question to the email in the description to feature on an episode. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the Ozcast Network. Peace out.